Welcome to The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by examining the Word of God, and especially the Book of Acts Church, to see how the early church served the Lord. The Porch Online Bible Study has always been here to take a deeper look into their service to the kingdom of God as our example. Our desire is to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had. By digging deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created. And it's obvious from the Asbury Revival that that's what people are looking for. The church age is not over, and what took place in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. If you know that there's more to your spiritual walk with Yeshua, with Jesus of Nazareth, and you want more, then you're welcome to join us on this journey. If you have any questions, please visit FirefallTalkRadio.com, use the contact button, or write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at FirefallTalkRadio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, and we hope that you would, go to FirefallTalkRadio.com for ways to do so. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. The website's been updated. If you need the links to all of those streaming platforms, they're there. If you need prayer or you want to pray for others in the porch community, just contact us. We'll hook you into the prayer email. One went out recently. Um, If you got it, let me know. Remember, we care about you, and there are people that want to pray for you. Make sure to subscribe to us wherever you can, wherever you listen to us, whether it's any of the platforms, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Stay connected with us so that you know what's going on. We start out with praise reports and prayer requests, and here's what I want you to do. I'm going to offer my praise reports and prayer requests. You can offer yours. You can begin to praise your Heavenly Father, your Abba Father. Begin to praise Him. So, Father, I praise you, first of all, for my salvation. Otherwise, I'm not here. I don't know where I am. Lost would be an understatement. But I am thankful that all those many years ago, I made you Lord of my life and I was reconciled to my Abba Father. I I am thankful for that. I'm thankful for the ability to do this with you. I'm thankful for the technology. I'm thankful for each and every one of you, especially thankful for my family, my wife, my sons. I almost said wives. That would have been a different organization. My wife, sons, daughter-in-laws, grandson, furry kids, everything I have, I am blessed. I am thankful just to be alive. Living in prophetic times, knowing who my Lord and Savior is. I have hope, and that's what we're talking about tonight. I am hopeful. I am not hopeless. I am blessed and thankful for His Word, for His Holy Spirit. And I pray, I pray for each and every one of you to receive tonight whatever it is He has for you healing, for deliverance, for wholeness, for maybe the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is you desire, ask for it. I'm agreeing with you right now. I'm praying for America. I'm praying for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm praying for the the body, his church, for the finances to do everything that he's called us to do, set the captives free, destroy the work of the enemy, live out Luke 4.18. I am praying for divine wholeness, health, and healing as we get back to our divine design. It's been a rough week, but you know what? Live in a fallen world, stuff happens, and we go on because we have hope. So I just pray right now that he would bless the technology, that he would prepare your hearts and your minds to receive whatever it is he has for you individually and corporately this night in Yeshua's name. And if you agree with me, Say amen.
lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. All right, let's get those Bibles open. Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. And not only that, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. No, this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God, your Abba, loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. His hope doesn't lead to disappointment. It leads to the love of God filling our hearts. That's why it's there. That's why the enemy wants to steal it from you. Amen? Say amen, because then it ties into the fact that I'm going to tell you what amen means. I'll give you another chance. Amen? All right. The Hebrew Illustrated Bible Dictionary says the word amen is a translation of the Hebrew word signifying something as certain, sure, and valid, truthful, and faithful. It's sometimes translated as so be it, which is why Satan has inspired the pagans to use so mote it be, so may it be, which is a counterfeit of amen. Amen may confirm what already is, or it may indicate a hope for something desired. In the Jewish prayer, in a Jewish prayer, amen comes at the end as an affirmative response to a statement or wish made by others, and that's also how it's used in the New Testament epistles. That's what that means when you say amen. You may hear me say it, I say it in public. I say it in interviews or whether you know, I'm on podcast with others. It, it's a word I use a lot because it means I agree. Now, the word hope is elpis in the Greek, which is from the primary word elpo, which means to anticipate usually with pleasure, expectation, or confidence. A favorable and confident expectation. Faith and hope go together. They're different aspects of the same thing. It has to do with the unseen and the future. If I say I hope about something, it describes a happy anticipation of good. Titus 1-2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. 1 Peter one twenty one who through him believe in God, who raised him, H, capital H, meaning Yeshua, from the dead, and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. It's not in man. It's not in religion. It's not in a denomination. It's not in a personality. It's in one person alone. Hope has a foundation upon which it's based. Colossians 1.27, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Messiah in you, the hope of glory. Messiah in you is the hope of glory. It means you know where you're spending eternity. Messiah lives in you. His spirit is inside of you. We don't have an external religious belief. We have an inside-out religious relationship, a spiritual relationship with the living God that has given us an assurance of sharing his glory. The Dictionary of Bible Themes says, Hope in Scripture is a confident expectation for the future, describing both the act of hoping and the object hoped for. When grounded in God, which for me is the only place it should be, hope provides the motivation to live the believer's life even in the face of trouble. It means hope is a, it's an anticipation of a future outcome. 
Now, if you put it in the world, it's going to be misdirected and it's going to be misplaced. It's going to be a vain hope. Jeremiah twenty three sixteen. thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of God. We have so many people today calling themselves prophets, and I will always say, if you have to tell me you're one, you're probably not. But they're speaking worthless words, not from the mouth of God, but from their own hearts. 1 Timothy 6.17 As for the rich or the wealthy in this world, charge them not to be proud and arrogant and contemptuous of others, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God, who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. If your hope is in your bank account, you're in trouble. If your hope is in your job, you're in trouble. If your hope is in the fallen world financial system, you're in real trouble right now. The world and the things of this world offer no hope. That's why Paul is telling Timothy to tell the rich of that day not to be high-minded or proud and not to trust in an uncertain riches. Only the living God can provide for all of our needs. Recently in the the news, there was a a mega-billionaire in New York committed suicide. They still don't know why, but he had no hope. The hope wasn't in his bank account or his businesses or his his homes or, or yachts or cars or anything. He was hopeless, and he took his life. That's why those who have money... Those who are wealthy are commanded to recognize Almighty God as the true source of their wealth and to be generous with their riches. The material blessings of God are to be enjoyed and used for the advancement of His kingdom, not for self-centered living. We need more people that will do that today. I know Firefall definitely, definitely needs somebody that would believe that. 1 John chapter 2, starting verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. First John chapter 2, starting verse 15, Do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is the Amplified. For all that is in the world, all that is in the world, listen to me. Some of you are distracted by this world. You say you're not. You say you don't want to be, but you are. You've been manipulated. You've been deceived. You've been lied to. The lust of the flesh, which is craving for sensual gratification, and the lust of the eyes, that greedy longings of the mind, which we are manipulated to have by media and advertising, and the fallen who run that world, and the pride of life, the assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. They do not come from the Father, but are of the world itself, and they steal your hope in him. Because this world, folks, is passing away. It's going to disappear. And all the passions and all the desires and all the lust of this world will go with it. But those of us who do the will of God and carry out his purposes in our lives will remain forever. Larry and I were talking about that today when we were praying. Talking about the difficulty in the world, I shared with him what I was going to be teaching on, which just by the Holy Spirit itself, he was in a prayer meeting last night, excuse me, and almost word for word, this is what they were talking about and praying about. So this is the message from the Holy Spirit. Those of us that were raised by parents or grandparents from the Great Depression are better prepared for what's coming than those who have no idea to struggle 
those of us that were raised poor or in broken homes or lived in the projects or ate the processed cheese are better prepared for what's coming. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying I'm even looking forward to it because I'll tell you I'm not. But I will tell you this. I know that I'll make it through it. It'll be difficult. It'll be a struggle. Been there, done that. Sorry, but I guess I'm going to have to do it again. I have hope because I've experienced what it's like in those situations. Quick little sidebar here, personal testimony. My father walked out when I was six, almost seven years old, close to my seventh birthday. Never looked back, never saw him again. Never paid any child support and never, you know, even cared to ever look us up. So we were not well off. We went to live with my mother's sister, my aunt, then we lived, went to live with my grandparents, and my mother found a way to keep us from knowing that we were poor. So we would take the subway into Central Park and go to the zoo, or we would do this, or we would do that. My mother made sure that I did not go without, and to do that, she went without. I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to lack. But I also know what it's like that when you have a a loving parent in those situations, they make sure that as a child, you don't understand what's going on. Well, we're his children. And as tough as it's going to get, I do not believe he'll let us suffer. When things look hopeless, we are to remember who he is. He's dad. He's Abba. And he loves us unconditionally. But you may go through some stuff. And the things we see as hopeless may be a part of an unknown plan that the Lord has for us. And there are many examples I could have used, but this is one one the Lord led me to. Go with me to Acts 16. Since we're studying the book of Acts, let's get to the book of Acts. 16, starting with verse 16, this is about Paul and Silas. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination, which is the spirit of Python, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation." And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus the Messiah, to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Now here they are. They're in Philippi. They're going to the place of prayer, which is whether it was a park, whether it was somebody's home, whether it was a building, whatever it was, it's where the believers in Yeshua came together and Paul and Silas were there preaching and teaching. Now this girl is following them and she's possessed by the spirit of Python which is tied to the worship of Apollo. And she keeps confirming them, ratifying them, giving them her seal of approval, which is doing what? It's taking the attention away from the Lord and putting it back onto her and the spirit inside of her. Now, she's a priestess of the temple. She's a pythonist. And her messages are soothsaying. The merchants are making money off of her. Obviously, they did not regard her as insane or fraudulent. Because when she could no longer make them money, they got very upset. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. 
Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes, meaning Paul and Silas, and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison, which is the dungeon, and fastened their feet into the stocks. Now, Paul wasn't upset. It took him a couple of days to get annoyed. He wasn't upset because what she was saying was untrue. He was getting upset because she was redirecting the truth to her. Even even Yeshua didn't permit the demons to proclaim his message. You look in Luke 4. He goes to Capernaum, the city of Galilee. He's teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Yeshua of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Yeshua rebuked them, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst and came out of him and did not hurt him, they were all amazed. They spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about Yeshua went out into every place in the surrounding region, because he did it without a ritual. There was no exorcism. There was no holy water. There was no symbols. There was no icons. There was no hop on one leg, do-si-do. There was none of that. Come out, it came out. That's what made him and us different. And tell him the truth. He is the Holy One of God. But the purpose of Hasatan and that demon was to discredit the message, just like with the apostles. People might have even thought they were in league with the demons. And so now you have the religious people thinking, wait a second, this demon-possessed medium is, is confirming who they are. They must be working with them. Paul saw that, turned to the demon, not the girl, commanded it to come out, and did so. Sometimes doing what we're called to do for the kingdom causes trouble. Causes trouble for us causes trouble for the world because they threatened the uh, commercial establishment there and what did it do it put them in prison brought tribulation into their life the situation would appear to be hopeless remember what i said the lord has a plan i don't know what you're going through right now but the lord has a plan jump down to verse 25 in Acts 16 but at midnight Paul and Silas, who have been beaten, they're bleeding. Their legs are in stocks. They're in chains. They're uncomfortable. They were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's chains were loose, not just Paul and Silas's, but everyone's. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep, because he lived either outside in a house outside to or within, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul, having a word of knowledge, having revelation knowledge, cries out in a loud voice, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And then the the prison, the keeper, calls for a light, and he runs in, and he falls down trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved. I don't remember Paul giving an offering call, an altar call. I don't remember him saying anything about salvation. But that man knew that they had information he needed to know. What must I do to be saved? So they said, 
Believe on Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach. Believe on the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. Now remember, they're beaten, they're bloody, they're bruised. And they speak the word of the Lord to him and his family. And so the keeper took them at that same hour of the night and washed their wounds, washed their stripes. And immediately he and all of his family were baptized. Now when he brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced. Having believed in God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the father of Jesus of Nazareth, having believed in God with all of his household. The Lord had a plan for Paul and Silas. He had a plan that unfortunately involved them being arrested, beaten, bruised, bloodied, thrown into prison to save this man and his household. But the Paul and Silas were joyful, rejoicing that God counted them worthy to suffer disgrace in the name of Yeshua. This, to me, has always been an amazing story, plus the fact that the wall shook and the, and everybody's doors flew open, everybody's chains flew off. When, when the Lord is present, there's freedom. Let me say that again. When the Lord is present and the Spirit shows up, there's freedom. There's hope. The Spirit brings hope. Do you praise Him in a way that let others know you're praising Him despite your circumstances? Or do you get caught up in your circumstances? Are you a a worshiping believer or are you a whining believer? Everything they went through was a setup for the salvation of the jailer and his family. If that doesn't move you, I don't know what does. What must I do to be saved? That's that's what came out of this. He knew he needed salvation. He knew he needed to be reconciled to God. And the answer was simple. Just believe on the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. No other work. Don't you? you, you got, well, well, you're going to have to come to class. You're going to have to buy this book. Oh, by the way, you got to give me ten percent right now. No, 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 no. Let's stop making it so difficult. Do you believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of the Living God? That He died for your sins. Do you believe? Do you believe? that he rose from the dead, sits at the right hand of the Father, and is going to come in power to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe? Do you believe that the cross, the blood, washed away your sins, made them whiter than snow? Do you believe that he is Lord? See, the jailer and his family placed their trust in God, acted upon it by dressing them, feeding them, and then immediately got baptized. Have you been baptized? Good question. I have. Just ran through my spirit, my mind. Uh, having, We had an event in uh, Groton, Connecticut, 2011, I think it was. And at that event, people wanted to be baptized, so we had about four or five people one morning meet us in the pool, the indoor pool, and get baptized. The next time we do an event, 
we'll do baptisms. They came under conviction. And they knew that they needed a Savior. They knew that there was hope. Why else would Paul and Silas be singing and praising God in the midst of everything they've just endured? Why would Paul and Silas be singing and praising God because of everything they just endured? Because they had hope. Let's talk about this salvation thing for a second. This is where my hope begins. October 9th, 1988. Somewhere around 1140 between 11.40 and 11.45 a.m. at an altar at the old Christian Heritage Church in Tallahassee, Florida. I lived out Romans 10. Verses 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth, Adonai Yeshua, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I spoke it out of my mouth. I believed it in my heart. Something happened when those two things came together. I was born again. I was a new creation. And I had hope. Gave me back my family. Gave me back everything I threw away. I had hope. I have hope. By grace. I have been saved through faith, and not of myself, but of a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I don't know everybody that's listening right now, and that's just an understatement. That sounded really dumb when I said it out loud, but you know what I mean. I know many of you, but I know the Lord just brings people. They stumble onto the podcast, if you want to call it that. They may have been confirmed, sprinkled, slapped, dunked, but they may not be born again. They may have been sitting in a pew all of their life, but they may not be born again. They may be struggling with the acceptance of a holy God as their Abba Father, but I will tell you this, First John 1, 9. If you ever doubt who you are, and if you ever doubt where you are spiritually, go to First John 1, 9 and read it out loud to yourself. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I can't tell you how many times I've slapped a demon around with that scripture who tried to make somebody I was ministering to believe that they could not be forgiven. The word of God is a weapon. Don't let the enemy trick you into putting your weapons down. Give them hope. Tell them about the Lord. Romans 5, starting verse 3, amplified. Moreover, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exalt and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produces patient and unswerving endurance. And endurance, or fortitude, develops maturity of character, which is approved faith and tried integrity. And character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us, for God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It doesn't matter what manure you're going through. There's hope. I know I've told the story before, and I love this story, and it's an illustration. And for all I know, it's true. There was a rancher, and he had two sons. And he brought the first son to the barn and opened the door, and the barn was filled with horse manure. 
And the kid got all disgusted and ran away, screaming how awful it was and how bad it smelled. And he brought the second son there. And this was a test, by the way. And he brought the second son there. And the second son looked at it and waded right into it, saying, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. No matter what crap you're going through, let's call it what it is. Look for the pony in there somewhere. There's a blessing. There's a teaching. There's something that when you come out of it, you're going to have hope. Psalm 71, verses 4 and 5, Deliver me, O God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For you are my hope, O Lord. You are my trust from my youth. I was raised Roman Catholic, Catholic school, Catholic high school, Catholic college. I was a Christmas and Easter attendee, sometimes for a period of time, went to a Saturday night folk mass. I didn't know him personally, but I knew of him. And I knew that I could cry out to him, and he would answer me. And isn't that amazing? I, didn't, I wasn't born again. I knew that he was my hope. Psalm 42, verse 11, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of, the help of my countenance and my God. I want to ask you that question. Why are you cast down? Oh, your soul, why are you disquieted within yourself? Listen, hope in God. Praise him. He is the help of your countenance, and he is your God. Lamentations 3.24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Psalm 130, verse 5, I waited for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word, I do hope. Is he as good as his word? The answer is yes. And that means there will always be hope. Your answers are in his word. You having trouble with something? Look up the scripture that pertains to it. Having trouble sleeping? The scripture is about sleeping. Relationships, fear, healing, Uh, for your mind, whatever it is, it's in there. But tonight, we're talking about hope. Lexham Bible Dictionary says, Hope is the confidence that by integrating God's redemptive acts in the past with trusting human responses in the present, the faithful will experience the fullness of God's goodness both in the present and in the future. See, biblical faith rests on the trustworthiness of God to keep his promises. Remember what I said, he's as good as his word. The biblical view of hope is significantly different from that which was found in the ancient Greek philosophy of the day. The Greeks recognized that human beings expressed hope by nature. You know, this kind of hope reflects both good and bad experiences. It's the It's about subjective possibilities. No, no, no. Biblical hope is being founded on something that provides a confidence in its fulfillment, and that confidence is in God. His redemptive acts culminated in the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Yeshua, of the Lord. That's where my hope is in. It's not in any man. It's not in any system. It's not definitely not any building or, or personality. Been there, done that. Won't ever do it again. My hope is in the Lord. Colossians one five, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you've heard before the word before in the word of the truth of the gospel. That's where our hope is in. My hope's in my home with them. This is not this is not my home. Yeah, I live here. This is my address. This is where I am with my wife and our furry kids. 
This city is where I am with, with members of my family, but this isn't my home. My home's in heaven. My home's with my Abba Father. It's with the Lord. I'm just here temporarily. I'm passing through. 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. Hope in the gospel. Is there any other hope? If you're going to put hope in another person, a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, if you're going to put hope in anything other than him, you're setting yourself up for failure. You'll put pressure in a relationship that will falter because that person will let you down. They're human. They're flawed. He's the only perfect one. But see, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Adonai Yeshua, that the life of Yeshua may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Yeshua's sake, that the life of Yeshua may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. It's because his death on the cross we live. That's right, because he lives, you can face tomorrow. So then death is working in us, but life in you. Paul goes on to say in verse 13, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus, I don't know, Yeshua, who raise, will raise us up with Yeshua and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake. Let me say that again. All things are for your sakes, that grace having been spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Whatever you're going through is to his glory. Therefore, don't lose heart. Even though our outward man or woman, our outward person is perishing, the inward is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, like this world, the cares of this world, everything around us, but the things which are not seen are eternal. They're invisible. They're everlasting. They're imperishable. We don't lose heart because we have hope. Oh, you can say, oh, Richard, you don't know what I'm going through. I may or I may not. I may have experienced it. I may not, but it doesn't matter because I know all things work together for good. I know that there's hope in him. Joseph went to prison. Between the time he got arrested and the time he got, got out, Probably about 15 to 17 years for something he didn't do. But he had hope over and over again in the Bible. We're giving examples. We are given examples to give us hope. Now, what do you do? What do you do right now if you're, you're going through something? You're struggling with what I'm saying. Well, here's what James says in chapter 5, starting with verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other 
Not going into a closet in the dark. No, no, no. Confess your sins to each other. Bring them out to light. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You know, I thought about this. I was sick for a week and sick pretty good. Couldn't go to the doctor. I'm not sure they really could have done anything. The pollen here is awful. Many a people, many, many a people, I suddenly became a New York Italian. I couldn't speak English. Many people are dealing with respiratory problems, just like I did. And I could have complained. I could have griped. I could have moaned. But you know what? Paul had problems. He talks about it. Some of the great men of men and women of faith had problems. A man named Smith Wigglesworth, a, a tremendous healer, uh, deliverance, preacher, teacher, had kidney stones. And right in the middle of preaching, he could have a, a stone move, drop him to the floor. His wife would run up, get behind the pulpit, and continue his what he was doing through his notes until he got it together to get back up on his feet. What a witness is that? God should have healed him. no. First of all, there's a humility, and it's not about him. It's about the Lord. But the fact is, there are hardships. So what do we do? We pray. If we're happy, we should praise. Don't ever miss an opportunity to praise him. Please. He inhabits your praise. He enjoys when you praise him. If you're sick, seek prayer. Prayer and praise are the answer to all the questions. But sometimes we lose hope. Proverbs thirteen twelve, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Romans eight eighteen, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You know how the enemy gets into your head? Makes you waver, makes you wonder. Don't do it. I know. It's not a good place to fall into. It's not a good trap to fall into. At those moments when you begin to waver and wonder, get back to the word, read that scripture to yourself, hold fast the confession of my hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He's not a liar. He's not a practical joker. He doesn't mean you harm. The enemy wants to make you hopeless. The Holy Spirit wants to make you hopeful. 1 Peter 1.13. So prepare your minds for action. Be completely sober in spirit, steadfast, self-disciplined, spiritually and morally alert. Fix your hope completely on the grace of God that is coming to you when Jesus the Messiah is revealed. That's why I keep talking about the book of Acts Church. They had one eye on the job to go fulfill the Great Commission, but they had one eye on the sky. They were looking for the Lord's return. They were doing what they were doing in anticipation of his return. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But I look for his return because I believe looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. Titus 2.13 Every scripture I'm giving you tonight, today, whenever you listen to this, write them down. Take notes. I can make it easy for you. I could post all the scriptures. I could post my notes. But you know what? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And you doing the work and opening your Bible and highlighting and taking notes, that's how you learn. I'm not going to feed you, pablum. If you came here like little birds in a nest looking for me to regurgitate Word into your mouth to feed you, no, 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 I'm trying to get you to where you feed yourself. 
And I did that gross illustration for a purpose. Too many believers go sit in a pew. They just want somebody else to feed them. I want you to be able to feed yourself. So that if tomorrow one of those Chinese balloons that went overhead let go with an EMP and we didn't have access to this anymore, we had no way to meet together, you've got the word inside of you. You've taken notes. They're in your Bible. So what are you looking at? You're looking at the blessed hope and the glorious appearance of Yeshua? What are you looking at? Are you looking at now or are you looking at then? Are you looking at this world or the next? If you keep your eyes on this world, if you watch social media, if you watch the news, if you listen to the pundits, I need to look up why they call them pundits. I don't know. If you listen to them, you're going to lose your hope. Maybe you need to sing. Maybe you need to get praise and worship song. Let's take the maybe out of it. You need to do that. I am so blessed that I sat in a church as a baby Christian, in a building as the church, excuse me, old habits, with a pastor, Robert Shelley, who encouraged praise and worship, who let the Spirit have his way where we would sing sometimes for hours. That's all we would do. So I I know he inhabits my praise. My wife can tell you, I'll crank it up in here, I'll sing, and I don't, you know, I can get out the old songs and the words of what I'm supposed to be saying, like, my life is in you, Lord. My strength is in you, Lord. My hope is in you, Lord. In you. It's in you. I will praise you with all of my life. I will praise you with all of my strength. With all of my life, with all of my strength, all of my hope is in you. That's from a song called My Life is in You, Lord, by Daniel Gardner. Find songs where you're singing the word. Find songs that get you to say affirmations. Feed your spirit, man. Let the praise go up to the Lord. Are you dealing with pain and disappointment and sorrow right now? I mean, let's let's be real. Let's get honest. Are you dealing with pain? Emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, disappointment? relationships, finances, whatever, are you dealing with sorrow? Then remember this. Hope in him and hope from him does not fail. Maybe you need to listen to this more than once. And not because of any other reason, but to get this inside of you, get it imprinted on you. Because the days are coming, and maybe now are, where the darkness is getting greater. We have to shine brighter. People are committing suicide. They're becoming hopeless. They're walking out on marriages. They're just walking away. You may be the person with the encouragement. You may be the person with the word. You may be the person with the scripture because the spirit inside of you has given you hope that you can tell them, hey, Hold on, let me tell you about someone you can hope in. Hope in him. Hope from the Lord does not fail. Father, Abba, Father, we cry out to you as your children. We tell you how much we love you. Come on, church, tell tell them, say, Abba, I love you. Lord, I love you. 
all of my hope is in you. Holy Spirit, I ask right now for my brothers and sisters that you wipe away the pain and the sorrow and the disappointment and that you pour yourself into their hearts, filling them with the love of God, maybe something they've never felt before. Push out all the bitterness and all the words that have wounded them and all the memories that have hurt them, all the things done to them by people who maybe didn't know better. Maybe they did. I don't know, but that's not their issue. I'm asking you right now to wipe them clean of those wounds. Set them free. Heal them. Heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Holy Spirit, fill them. Fill them right now with the fruit of the Spirit, with the gifts of the Spirit. Let them begin to manifest the reality of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, King of kings, Lord of lords, into this world to radiate a hope that the world is desperate for. People drove hours to Kentucky looking for hope. And yes, they could have found it anywhere they were. And maybe for them that was necessary. Maybe that was a sacrifice. And it definitely was, but we can have it anywhere, anytime. And Lord, send us. Send us as hope delivers. Package. Got a package here for you. Hope of the Lord. Your name on it. It's all yours. And by the way, it'll just keep replicating no matter how much you use. You'll never run out. Oh, you don't owe me anything. It's already been paid for. He paid it all. Lord, tell them. Tell them right now. Tell them how much you love them. Tell them what they need to hear from you. And fill them with a hope that does not fail. And I declare and I decree in the name of Yeshua that hope in you not only does not fail, it's eternal, for you are as good as your word. And someday, when this is all done, we will live in eternity with you, in your glory, changed forever. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Now remember what I said if, about the word that I'm about to ask you to repeat. If you agree with me, say, Amen. Tell somebody, call them up, send them, send them this Bible study. Reach out and tell somebody, don't lose hope. Someone who loves you is there for you. And his name is Jesus. His name is Yeshua. May the Lord bless you. May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. Joyfully and wonderfully and hopefully, this has been the Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.